And Cushing's disease in horses is actually the most common endocrine condition. One of our main questions are, you know, have you had it tested for Cushing's? Do you think it is prone to Cushing's? So yes, a very, very common question and concern from the people I especially talk with. Welcome everyone to episode 103 of the Send Nutrition Podcast with your host Brian and Magellan today. And today's topic is understanding Cushing's disease. Is your horse at risk? And this topic in horses has come about from a variety of requests from our listeners and also our Send Users group. And Cushing's disease in horses is actually the most common endocrine condition. And today we're going to try and simplify this condition down so many of our listeners can understand what and if their horse is at risk. And not to put anyone high alert, but all horses are at risk of Cushing's disease. And this statistic actually surprised me in my research was by the age of 20 years old, between 20 and 30% of all horses will develop Cushing's disease. So we'll just break that down. But firstly, let's introduce you to Magellan. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Brian. Magellan, for anyone that doesn't know her, is part of the SEN team. She does a lot of the diet consults for our clients and potential clients, and she's a valued member. And we love having her around the office. She's very bubbly and has really good energy. And I call her Jell, so that's Magellan. But Jell, actually, I'll, I'll just side note here. How did you get your unique name? Or, well, your parents named named you, but is there a story behind this? <laughs> yeah, so I get this asked so often. So my dad builds boats for a living. Um, before he and mum were getting serious, he had a dream. They were going to have a daughter. Her name was going to be Magellan. So Magellan originates from the explorer Ferdinand Magellan. Um, he was the first to circumnavigate the earth. Um, he unfortunately did not make his journey, but yeah, I'm named after an old Pirate, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and you do get that asked a lot when you answer the phone, hey, I think. Yeah, it's it's probably my um, my most asked question yeah, it's throughout. It's everything. unique. We, we call you gel or, <laughs> or variations of gel. And, yeah, no, we, we really love having you as part of our team. And you can give us some insight into this topic as, as I understand that it does come up a bit when you answer the phone or do your diet consult. Yeah, so it's probably one of the most asked questions when we are consulting with uh, especially clients that have older horses or are concerned that their horse is starting to get a little bit older and starting to drop condition and not quite looking good. One of our main questions are, you know, have you had it tested for Cushing's? Do you think it is prone to Cushing's? So yes, a very, very common question and concern from the people I especially talk with. Yeah, and this disease really needs to be highlighted if you do own horses because of its prevalence as we said 20 to 30 percent of all horses will develop this and we'll tell you what are the factors and reasons but also the symptoms to look out for and as Magellan and I deep dive this topic it was really fascinating the underlying nutrition benefits of a particular nutrient profile that will help but let's bring it all back to the start so if someone asks you about Cushing's you fully understand it and I'll try and make it very simple or, and less science-y. And hopefully by understanding the condition, we can really help identify and then manage a horse if they unfortunately have this disease. So Cushing's is the enlargement of the pituitary gland, which affects the horse's hormone regulation, um, in particular ACTH. And that increases the cortisol levels, which then leads to a bunch of other problems. 
Yeah, Joel, that's actually Cushing's in a nutshell, what you said just then. It's a chronic endocrine disorder, a hormonal condition that it is affected by the region in the brain, so the, the hypothalamus, and it has an effect on the pituitary gland. Um, so the hypothalamus produces dopamine and the pituitary gland, it regulates the production of ACTH, which is a hormone. And this then acts on another gland called the adrenal gland and it secretes cortisol, which we know from previous podcasts that cortisol is a stress hormone and it is required for the normal functioning of a horse. But in the conditions such as Cushing's disease, there's an overproduction of cortisol and this plays a negative role around the body and affects it in many ways. Coming back to why cortisol is needed by the horse, it's, it's needed for the maintenance of blood sugar levels, energy during exercise. Cortisol activates the natural flight or fight response, but it also plays a role in detoxification, antioxidation and infection fighting pathways. So cortisol is required, but when there's an overproduction, like in Cushing's disease, it does have a negative impact. Absolutely, Brian. And that's when we see the symptoms that we associate with horses that are positively diagnosed with Cushing's. Uh, the most typical sign would be that long shaggy coat, which they don't shed as easily as a normal horse or a horse that's not affected with Cushing's disease. Uh, we also see weight loss, muscle atrophy, so loss of top line, uh, sway back appearance. We also can see fat deposits where we wouldn't normally see them. Then we get things like an increase in thirst, which then leads to an increase in urination. Um, and it can, look, not all Cushing horses develop insulin resistance, but they are more prone to developing metabolic issues and insulin resistance. Yeah, you're 100% right, Magellan. When you see a Cushing's horse, they may have these symptoms and due to their cortisol levels being elevated, this, at the high levels, this elevates blood sugar and can cause the insulin resistance with the horse tissues and they're not able to control their blood sugar levels. So yes, when you have Cushing's, it may lead to insulin resistance and then it could even develop into laminitis, but you can have it independently of each other and not have them both necessarily develop, but they're just more at risk of developing that insulin resistance or those those metabolic disorders due to that high level of circulating cortisol from the overproduction of the ACTH in the pituitary gland. And when you look at what equine Cushing's disease is commonly known as, it also goes by the name of PPID, which is pituitary pars intermediate dysfunction, which is a long name and I don't want to say that again. <laughs> and so PPID is easy and, yeah, as we said before, around the base of that brain is the area of concern. And maybe as a side note, why is it called Cushing's? Because I was like, how, how does this come about? And it's actually named after the neurosurgeon Harvey Cushing, and he first described it. So he got to name it. And um, now we know as of today being Cushing's disease. So I think that's how, it. yeah, I think that's how a lot of diseases are named in the world and, whoever finds it first claims it. So I guess that's his claim to fame. So then when you look further into Cushing's disease, we always wonder what is the exact cause? And unfortunately, Brian, there is no one cause or exact cause that we know about 
but there are several factors which can predispose a horse. Yeah, and when you look at a horse that has developed it and they work backwards, there can be a pattern of factors or one or two of these factors that are involved and we'll just go through the list and the first one would be oxidative stress. So that's when there's an insufficient supply of antioxidants to help clear or neutralise free radical production. So when you do have a horse that's in performance, they do require those antioxidants to really help in that recovery. And over time, oxidative stress may result from a deficiency in antioxidants. So what are the other factors? Years on high sugar and high starch diets. Other factors that is known are is chronic stress and chronic stress would equal high cortisol levels. So you can see how Cushing's disease could develop from that way but then also it's been known that it could be a genetic predisposition as a horse ages obesity and insulin resistance are also the key factors that contribute to Cushing's development but even in younger horses it has been seen so this evidence that Cushing's is in younger horses has left researchers and nutritionists and even scientists wondering if it is a man-made condition through improper management during domestication so is that the early years of managing them not dealing with the physical stresses like the wrong diet so too much grain too much sugar and starch too much demand in performance so not enough recovery time and the stress that comes through that ulcers vaccinations chronic pain these all can lead to imbalanced hormonal responses and If this happens day after day as a younger horse, you're going to really give higher risk to conditions such as Cushing's disease. And the elevated cortisol secretion due to the stress response is the underlying metric of this. And then unfortunately, it can develop into that insulin resistance and laminitis. So Brian, say our horse is showing these symptoms. We know the cause now of Cushing's. The next step is how how do we diagnose this? How do we make certain that this is what we need to treat the horse for? Yeah, so if you do see these symptoms and you are suspecting Cushing's, the first point of call is your vet and they'll be able to give you the guidelines and double check what you're suspecting, but then they have a series of baseline blood tests that will be able to be performed and then the results that are obtained then can give you a definite diagnosis to see if your horse is positive to Cushing's disease or not. This may involve the testing of the ACTH levels, insulin, the TRH response test, which is measuring ACTH, and then the DST, which is the dexamethasone suppression test, and that measures cortisol. So the results with this, each vet will know how to diagnose from the results given and then they'll be able to recommend the appropriate management which can involve both medication but also the foundations of your diet. So if we go down the medication route with your vet what we will be looking at is being prescribed a drug uh, most commonly paraglide and what paraglide does is it essentially works as a hormone replacement therapy so it will reduce the amount of cortisol that is produced by the horse to try and regulate those levels a bit bit more. As we know with all medications, there, there can be some side effects, but in this condition, Cushing's disease, it is actually required in terms of the, to manage a horse properly to make them feel more comfortable but also reduce those symptoms, then this vet medication is 
required. And I think it goes by the brand name Presend, and it's administered orally in the form of tablets or powder, but your veterinarian will be able to do the proper dosing and then we'll be able to give you the treatment plan for this. But side effects, as with every medication, there there is some. So the horse may experience loss of appetite, gastrointestinal upsets, a bit of weakness. It can exacerbate laminitis. So that may need to be dealt with in another way. So probably the point I'm trying to make is that when you do put horses on medication, a full diet review should be should be undertaken because some of those side effects can really upset the horse metabolically. And when you look at the conditions such as Cushing's disease and the whole insulin resistance and laminitis link, then the foundations need to be right in being higher fibre, low sugar and low starch. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brian. So if someone calls me and they're concerned that their horse has Cushing's or we do have a positive diagnosis on a horse, our first thing to go through is the foundation, like with any diet that we do. So making sure that that roughage is adequate, they are getting enough of it, but we are also feeding a quality grass roughage. We don't want high sugar and starch and we don't want a whole lot of nutrition coming from it. We want it for the long stem roughage and what that does for the digestive tract. When we then go and look at the hard feed section of the horse's diet, same thing again. We want low sugar and starch, high fibre, but making sure that we are hitting all the vitamin and mineral requirements, which may be higher in a Cushing's horse because they are already battling possibly a suppressed immune system and they're needing more requirements to stay healthy and maintain that weight. Bringing something like the sen oil then into the diet to help combat that weight loss is a really good method as well because we can spike the diet with the additional fat without asking this horse to eat more. If it is on the medication, we're already battling with appetite being down, so it's a good way to make sure that we are still getting the nutrients that we need into that diet. Yeah, they're really good points, Magellan, because you're trying to lower that sugar and starch, but trying to also maintain a healthy weight without overdoing it. So high fiber, removing the grain from the diet or really keeping it to a minimum, then you're going to have a happier, healthier horse in the long run. What we find is a lot of horse owners that have Cushing's really have to look at their hay or their forage or pasture. So if they're on pasture, look at the time of the day they're grazing because the sugars in the grasses do get higher as the day progresses because the sun activates photosynthesis and And if you do have a Cushing's horse, you don't want to expose it to that high sugar grass, particularly late in the afternoon or yeah, during that the heightened periods, try and graze early. Um, Some resort to the grazing muzzle as well. Um, But what we do know is you need to control the forage nutrient profile. So then if you are going down the hay way, as Magellan touched on, grassy hay is the best. Regardless of your hay type, you really do need, if you have a Cushing's horse, the hay analysis so that gives you all the nutrients so you can establish that. One particular part is the NSC, which is your starch percentage plus your ESC or your simple sugars percentage. And this should be below 12% to really be defined as low sugar and low starch. I've just pulled up Feed Central and there's various grades of certain hays and when you look at even, for example, oat and hay, an A-grade oat and hay can have starch pretty low, around 1.4%, but also 
the ESC or the simple sugars are at 16%. So when you combine that, that's about 17%. You'd really want to look at strategies like soaking this hay for an hour to remove some of the sugars to get it below the 12% or look for the grassy hay types like Rhodes grass. But then it's really up to the horse owner to see what's practical and, and what's suitable what we do know is both our feeds, the Sen Grain Free, the Sen Lupin Pellet and the Sen CF50 for that matter, both have NSCs below 5%. So when you combine that with your hay or pasture volume, you're bringing that overall starch and sugars right down. So Sen has a suitable solution for that base feed. Plus, as Magellan touched on, the vitamin mineral requirement for these horses is very important and we have a profile that matches the Australian soil conditions so we've had really good results when it comes to managing through their nutrition and when combined with the medication when combined with the suitable medications you can really lower the risk of those side effects developing. And on top of those feeds as well Brian so the lupin pellet the grain free or the CF50 depending which way you're going to go adding something like the vitamin C to help with that oxidative stress and adding antioxidants into the diet is a really easy and beneficial additive to really any horse's diet, but particularly horses that are suffering from Cushing's. Being in that older age bracket, an older horse has the reduced ability to make their own vitamin C and our sodium ascorbate, which is a really nice gentle form of vitamin C on that whole gastric and digestive part, is an effective way, it's actually a cheap and effective way of getting more antioxidants in the diet because we have the vitamin E, vitamin A, a, a really good strong vitamin profile in the low sugar, low starch, high fiber feeds and this really does complement it with the sen oil and then also just boosting it with the vitamin C is going to really help particularly those older ones. I think that about wraps that subject up. Gel, is there anything we could add on top? I think that's pretty much it, Brian. Um, just as far as management as well, obviously your horse isn't going to be able to shed a coat if it does have Cushing's, making sure we are clipping and doing the proper management for that. With their hoof care as well, you may want to shorten your cycles, just making sure that we are looking after that hoof growth and making sure that those hooves are as healthy as possible as well. Also, the usual horse management, dental care as well. And just overall monitoring the horse for any abnormal symptoms that may arise and knowing your horse inside out, you'll be able to give the vet as much information to them make that proper diagnosis or have the most effective treatment plan for the horse that is suffering from this unfortunate disease. So overall, the life expectancy of a horse with Cushing's disease under proper management treatment they can keep living for several years after their diagnosis and as you work with the vet you can keep them as comfortable as possible it does require long-term management it's a chronic condition that is incurable when it starts but as we outlined before there are several factors including when they're young being on a nice nutrient profile of low sugar low starch and high fiber is going to set them up to help reduce the risk of this disease. If any of our listeners do have any questions regarding their horse's diets, you are more than welcome to book a diet consult through our website or call the office. We're also available through all our usual channels, so the use the fa- 
We are also available through all the usual channels. So the Facebook Send Users group, um, our Facebook page, Instagram. You'll, um, you'll get myself or Brian and we're always happy to help and chat horse diets. Yeah, also thanks, Jill, for, for coming on and spending this podcast with me. I think Peter will be back for the next one. We're just It's just been a real hectic time at the moment, but in a good way because Send continues to grow really strong throughout Australia and impacting positively the health and well-being of horses Australia-wide. And we can't thank everyone enough for your support. If you do love this podcast, please share it with your friends. Spotify and Apple, I think, have a, a star rating. So five-star review will really help our exposure. And as Jill said, if you have any questions, but also if you have any topics you want us to cover, please send them in and and we will do our best to help simplify them and help give our listeners that information they need to then check out their own horse or, or manage their own horse so it is after lunch here so nearly gin o'clock or one o'clock for you one o'clock always Brian. <laughs> so yeah thanks thanks everyone for listening and we will see you again see you guys see ya